Hello, and welcome to Exposing Your High School Reading List. This podcast is dedicated to unpacking and improving the high school English curriculum. And today, it's just me and Greta, although, Woo. sorry, Greta and I. Oh, <laughs> we're, getting, we're getting fancy with it. Dad. Getting grammatical. <laughs> <laughs> uh. um, although, Becca and Lauren are in the studio with us. Greta and I are talking about poetry. Yeah, we are. I love poetry, guys. I'm so excited to get into it. But first, we naturally have to do a little icebreaker for you guys. So today, the icebreaker is going to be what are our least favorite tropes? So we're going to break tradition this time. I'm going to have Elise go first. And this is only happening because she hasn't thought of one yet. You don't know anything about me. (laughs) It's only happening because she hasn't thought of one yet. That's okay. Um, I hate love triangles so much. Explain. Why? (laughs) That's my explanation. Why? I don't, I firmly, and maybe this is just that I'm naive. I don't think so. But I firmly believe that you can't be in love with two people at the same time. I just, I don't find it compelling. There's always one that's like the obvious winner, especially if it's like a girl and then two guys. You're like, well, this guy is worthless. Classic. I'm talking to Gail on The Hunger Games specifically. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Good point. Good point. I'm here for it. Have you thought of yours yet? Yes. No, I'm ready. I'm good. (laughs) So I'm Greta, naturally. And my least favorite trope is uh, a little bit controversial, I think, especially in the book talk community. But I really dislike enemies to lovers because I think it's so often done in such a toxic way. Yeah, that happens. I I really enjoy rivals to lovers. I think that is very good and can be done very well enemies to lovers like when it truly is enemies like I don't want it (laughs) I've seen so many people argue that they want like bullies to lovers and that's disgusting and I hate it and we don't support toxic relationships in this house we don't so also when people this is just about enemies to lovers but when people say that pride and prejudice is enemies to lovers no that's Elizabeth's perspective only correct she's like he hates me and I hate him yeah Darcy doesn't think that. Anyway, stay tuned for um, Elisa's special episode. It will be an hour and a half long. (laughs) I don't know. It might be in several parts, to be honest. I have a lot to say. Yeah. This is turning into a podcast like called How Many Times Can We Plug Elisa's Pride and Prejudice episode? (laughs) Um, And that's Well, we don't know what's been posted at that point. Yeah, fair enough. How much have they heard? But also, I want people to listen to my Pride and Prejudice podcast. Yeah. I could just do one on the 2005 movie and then do like, I could do a lot. I could do a series. Maybe I can make my own podcast. But for right now. But for right now, we're going to talk about poetry. Oh, and boy, do I have so many good things to say. But before you say that, (laughs) I think it's important that we acknowledge the main reason that we really wanted to do this episode. Because a lot of people, if you mention poetry, if they're not English majors, they're not poets themselves, the reaction is immediate. It is fear. It is, I'm not smart enough to read that. I just don't get poetry, Mm -hmm. all of that stuff. There's like talk about inaccessibility. Like I know. And that's the biggest thing I've run into as well. So like for those of you who don't know me in real life, I am a creative writing major as all of us are English majors here on the pod. (laughs) But I specifically am a poet and that is like my area of, I don't want to say expertise because I'm in no way an expert on poetry. <laughs> but I think that any poet would say that. Sure. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's my thing. And so I love poetry. I love reading poetry. I love writing poetry. I get excited about it. I get excited about, you know, all the different like mechanisms that I can use and like how freeing it is. And every time I talk to people about it and I tell new people that I'm a poet or that I like poetry, that kind of thing, this, that's always the kind of feedback I get is like, you know, I just never really got into poetry. It's just not really my thing. Or they you like know? shut down, like they're sad yeah. about it. They're like, well, I was just never. And I, I think it all boils down to the way it was taught. Right. So before we really start diving into that question, let's chat about our experiences in high school. Sure. So my experience in high school, well, actually... Let's let's go a little bit earlier because I started writing poetry back in middle school. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I also did that. I also did that. So, wasn't reading it though. Right. I also wasn't reading it because I didn't know that like that was a thing you could do. Question right, mark? casually. <laughs> yeah. I think I think that's one of the big misconceptions. You yeah. can't just like casually read poetry. You can. I I do it. So yeah, I started I started writing poetry in middle school and that meant that when I got into high school I had a little bit more of an open mind, I think, than other people would when mm-hmm. they were introduced poetry in their English classes. I was afraid. Yeah? Yeah. Oh wow. I I wasn't. I I felt really good about it. I felt like it was like a niche and I thought I could fill it. And I'm like that was my immediate reaction to it. <laughs> and and so I I learned poetry in poetry mythology class I took. I learned it in a literature course that I did for for a college credit and I did it in my American Lit course we talked about Emily Dickinson, naturally. So those are the three courses I took that really talked about poetry in any capacity. So I was exposed to it quite a bit, and I was exposed to, like, quite a few different varieties, including, you know, the the romantic, the Shakespearean sonnets, which I think were the most popular that Mm -hmm. people learned according to our survey. Yeah, about 70% of our survey takers read Shakespearean sonnets. Yeah. And so I did those. and But then I also had a really good amount of contemporary poetry thrown in. Which I didn't do at all. And I think that's kind of like one of one of the big mistakes <laughs> I see is, is so many people don't get introduced to any contemporary stuff. And so they're like, oh, this is like poetry is like a thing of the past. And like they use this fancy language. Old and people. like, bah. <laughs> and I only did poetry my senior year of high school in AP English. And I was like, I was scared because mm. I would see these big, not even like really long poems, but just a lot of it. And I didn't know how to approach it. And I had a lot of pressure. My dad was an English major and I was like, I got to I gotta understand poetry and I don't really know how to do that. And I think part of my big fear was saying something wrong, was interpreting yeah. it in the wrong way. I was, I was terrified of making that, a fool of myself yeah. in front of my classmates. And they so often like framed it, like English, English teachers kind of framed it that way too, that like there was a wrong answer to poetry. That's really sad. It's so sad. The reason that I got so much out of my AP English class when we did that unit was because my teacher would support us. Mm-hmm. She was like, as long as you can back it up, any, any opinion that you have is totally valid and I, I remember we had we had split up into our like little pods little, our little groups and I think we were reading Blake or something and we all had this like idea none of us wanted to say what it was I don't think it was Blake I wish I remember what it was but we had this idea of what the poem was about but we thought it was so outlandish we thought it was so wild we were like there's no way it could possibly be this and then Mm -hmm. it was yeah and so as soon as our teacher was like how did you come to that conclusion we were like well this was kind of death-y because our our thing was like someone had killed this other person 
But it wasn't talking about that, but it was. Right. Because of the message of the poem. Sure. Symbolism. Yeah, thank you. Symbolism. See, I remember words. (laughs) So we only did, we did some Shakespearean sonnets. We had to memorize a sonnet. That was fun. I found that really fun because (laughs) we had to do some analysis of it. Not Mm -hmm. very much, but reading it and like citing it to the class, it made it easier for me to understand what the poem was talking about and... Yeah. And sonnets specifically, I think, are so much better when you can do things like that, when you can recite it. I don't know, even just like like the practice of memorizing it because they're like meant to be heard because, you know, like iambic pentameter, you know, we learn yeah. all about it. It's like, da, 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 right. Yeah. No more be graved at that which thou hast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I still remember if I, it takes me a second and I could like write it down and then I remember the sonnet. So Mrs. Montgomery, if you're listening, I do remember that. Thank you. <laughs> But I actually, like, learning to take apart the poem like that, the way that we were taught, it really helped me when I got into college and when I took intro to lit my freshman year. And I remember sending my my high school teacher an email and I said, thank you so much for teaching me this because I felt like I could approach it. I felt like I could attack it. I felt like I could write a paper about this poem that I had to write a paper about Mm -hmm. my first year of college, the first class that I took in the pandemic. It was, and she emailed me back, and it, like, it, it was just nice, because prior to, to her teaching me poetry, poetry was not accessible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's where so many people are stuck, yeah. <laughs> you know? Ah. And it's sad, right? Because, because AP English, obviously, that wasn't a required course, and it was the people who already were, like, interested in learning about yeah. that stuff, or just really wanted to get another college credit, by the way. Yeah. Um, which is super valid. I get that. But- all of those people, I mean, there were only like 20 people in that class. And then my graduating class was 375. So the rest of that graduating class, what did they get for poetry? Yeah, I mean, nothing, right? Like, like, and that's, that's why we have so many people that are like, oh my God, you like read poetry? Like who reads poetry? Mm-hmm. And like, like the answer is like very few people. Like, it's but also just the answer, at this point, but <laughs> everyone consumes poetry in yes. some way. And I think we need to get the message across that that's what that is because right. it's lyrics are poetry. Right. And I like so many people like see it as like such a different thing because you know, because it's like set to music and they're like, "Oh, well, I, you know, I'm not really like like analyzing the poetry. You know, I'm not analyzing the lyrics. I'm just like listening to the tune and I'm enjoying it." And I'm like, "Okay, but like, I mean, I'm thinking immediately of of Taylor Swift, Naturally. you know, because that's what I do. But, you know, I've seen so many people on on TikTok in particular who are like taking to like actively analyzing her lyrics and being like, oh, here's where she hinted at something else, you know, mm-hmm. and it like it like parallels in this other song that she has. And you're like, that's that's poetry analysis right there. Like you're doing the work like right. that's. But the the other side of that is. It doesn't become a poem when you analyze it. That too. It's a poem whether you analyze it or not. And the thing that struck me when Greta and I took uh, advanced poetry writing mm-hmm. last year, and I remember our professor saying, the poem is the experience. Mm. And that's what it is. You don't have to get it. You get it if you feel something. Shout out to Glenn. We love Glenn. <laughs> Glenn Freeman. My dad Pro- is professor, also named professor Glenn. Glenn. <laughs> we should clear that up. This is also named Glenn with two ends. Uh, <laughs> Who love the Beatles? I don't know. Yeah, no, but definitely, there's this there's this insane pressure, you know, that I think so many people feel that they have to 
like have this really intellectual experience and profound yeah and a really profound experience you just gotta poetry gotta have a thought like a a feeling it doesn't even have to be a coherent thought i mean i think greta we've had conversations about this in the past where when we write a really good poem we don't even know what it means oh yeah that's that's like kind of a good feeling yeah it's (laughs) i created this thing and it doesn't even it feels like something but I can't figure out what it is. Yeah, I wrote this poem last year, guys, for advanced poetry writing for that class. Mm-hmm. It started with a sentence uh, like, the master of comic sans, the master mm-hmm. of all, okay? And it like, like weird sentence to start off with. It went into like this terrifying thing. I still have no clue what it means. It's probably one of the most fun poems I've ever written I in love my that entire poem. life. It's so fun for me to read. It's mm-hmm. not done yet, but it's still like ruminating. It's so fun. And I just like am lost in it the entire time. Like, this idea that the poet has, like, these huge overarching, like, ideas of what's going on. Like, they're a chess player, you know? And they're, like, moving the pieces around really strategically. Like, that's crap. <laughs> okay? Yeah, like, it is. Like, like, sometimes, yes, okay? Like, we do have ideas as poets about, like, how things are supposed to work. And we have ideas about, like, how language fits into one another. And we want it to be cool. And we want it to be exciting. But I feel like so often we start with a feeling. Yeah. I mean, I, I just sort of casually write poetry. I, I hadn't written that much since middle school. Um <laughs> before our advanced poetry class and then and then every once in a while I'm like I have a feeling and it doesn't it doesn't feel like prose so (laughs) this is what we're gonna do and I think there's so much value in that because things surprise you when you write poetry and then writing poetry you see oh so like everything Keats did was like a little bit of an accident maybe yeah no it was like trying to get things to rhyme and it just ended up being what it was and I think that sort of like demystifies it Mm -hmm. and makes it more accessible Yeah, because, I mean, to me, like, the experience of writing poetry isn't quite, like, I mean, it's not, like, the experience of writing prose for me, right? Because it's not going to be. It's a different thing. But it feels like play to me, you know? And that's a side of poetry I feel like we don't get to explore that much if it is as, like, a really playful and fun thing. And it can be that for for reading it as well, for consuming it, Mm -hmm. Um, if we allow it to be and we don't over-intellectualize it for no reason. Mm -hmm. I think, like, part of it is learning iambic pentameter when you were in high school. I think it's so funny because Professor Glenn Freeman pointed out in our our advanced poetry class that we often accidentally speak and write in iambic pentameter because of the way that rhythm works. Mm -hmm. And and that just sort of, that blew my mind last year because I was like, oh, he's not that special. Yeah, it's just human nature. (laughs) You know, like, Obviously, Shakespeare's works are really, like, you know. Also, like, it is hard to, like, write, like, that much in iambic pentameter. Correct. So, like, there was like, a lot of thought that did go into that, of course. But it's, <laughs> it's like, props to Shakespeare, I guess. <laughs> but the thought, yeah, Lauren's sitting here, like, ready to fight us <laughs> as a Shakespeare scholar herself. But, you know, I, I'm not going to say that Shakespeare was bad or that he wasn't a genius. Because, obviously, like, they're, yeah. But, yeah. Way less, you know, I was sitting there in high school learning about iambic pentameter going, he's sitting there. He's got a list of words and he's like <laughs> crossing them out. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't wrap my mind around it. I was like, it's magic. Like I, my, my, the way that I thought of it was like the Doctor Who episode. Like I had no, yeah. I had no thoughts. I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't, it, it didn't make any sense. Yeah. And so much of it is just, like, experimenting, you know, and being like, oh, here's a sentence I want to write. How close is it to iambic pentameter? And Mm -hmm. how can I maybe change it to fit better? 
Right. You know, and it's just like, it feels so normal, you yes. know? And like, there's this, oh God, like, I don't know if it's just me, you know? <laughs> well, we'll find out. Probably, probably not, but, but maybe. Um, but it always feels like from an outside perspective, like poets have like this huge God complex, you know, <laughs> like, like they're sitting there going, oh man, I'm, I'm better than everyone. Cause look at like all the weird things I can write and no one will understand it. <laughs> like, <laughs> and that's so dumb because, because if there's one thing that I want as a writer, it's for people to get the things that I'm writing. Yeah. Otherwise you're not communicating whatever your thing is effectively. Yeah. So whether or not like the goal with poetry isn't necessarily a message that you have like in words, it's a feeling it's mm -hmm. an experience. Yeah. The last thing that we really want to talk about, right, other than everything is poetry and anyone can write poetry and anyone can read poetry, I guess is the last one. Anybody can read poetry. Even if you had like a bad experience with it in high school, even if you've been afraid of it your whole life, that is fine. Right. And we have some people. I have some people <laughs> and I'm really excited. I hope you guys give this a try because um, I think there's really a specific type of poet who feels a little bit more accessible, a little bit more prose-like, quotation marks around prose-like, yeah. um, that feels like it would be easier to get into if you feel like you've hated poetry for your whole life. And so some of these you might have heard of before. Rupi Kaur is, is a great one. They um, became really popular on Instagram, I know, but they have books as well that you can buy at like target and like just all around the place mm -hmm. right barnes noble wherever like milk and honey is probably yeah. their most popular I highly recommend another poet that does kind of similar work also very accessible is uh, amanda lovelace who i i highly recommend um she writes like feminist fairy tale poetry so if that's mm -hmm. your jam cool. that's for you and then you know if you're if you feel like you're ready to like experiment a little bit more with like playful but also you know more experimental kind of stuff um i highly recommend denez smith who wrote a poem i really love called dinosaurs in the hood yes um, we read that in class. which is great yeah. great poem yeah so but I, maybe you're even scared to go that route start by taking your favorite song, looking at the lyrics, and considering maybe it's poetry. Because, <laughs> spoiler alert, it is. So, with that. With that, uh, I hope any of our passion for poetry, our love of poetry, has come through in this. And that maybe you can give one poem a shot today. Yeah. Just add a little beauty to your life. Mm. Yeah. So... If you'd like to let us know what your experience has been with poetry, or maybe you've looked at one of these poets that we've suggested, let us know by finding us on social media at EYRL Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Email us at podcasteyrl at gmail.com and our website, eyrlpodcast.wordpress.com. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.